Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Kia ora everyone. Welcome back to your hilarious and bona fide favorite pop culture podcast, Culture Vulture. I am... Sorry, that was kind of weird. But I was like, does she want me to sing with her? Did yeah, she? like, oh my god! Speaking of, Laura did a cocktail hour. Which have we talked about? How I have we talked about this? We definitely have not, and we're not going to. Oh no! Well, anyway, we shall. First thing, I didn't really know what a cocktail hour was because obviously I haven't been to a wedding. <laughs> so, <laughs> second of all, sorry, Laura sung. American boy or American girl, don't know what it was, doesn't really matter. It was fucking amazing. And Stop it. That's all I have to say because I feel like we joke about making songs on Garage Band all the time. We do. But famously, please let it be I, known if she did, year. it'd be good. <laughs> once like, a year, I come out of retirement and sing at someone's wedding. And yeah, I and was, was Stanley Tucci like playing the guitar? Yeah, that was new for me. I also famously <laughs> cannot, I get the ick in the biggest way. At the idea of dating someone who like yeah, is a musician, works in music, yes. anything, and like I, so I used to sing <laughs> in a past life, and I just the idea of singing with someone and dating them, and the so basically Rupert, this is so boring, but we needed someone to play the guitar, <laughs> and in a past life Rupert could play the guitar, so the, I actually said he would do it before asking him, and then. He always wanted to practice, and I actually refused because it gave me the ick so much. So I was like, was a- sorry, what if someone walks past our apartment and sees us playing together? <laughs> we went away on, like, a family holiday, and he brought the guitar because I refused to practice with him, and the wedding was a week away. Oh. And he basically locked me in a room and made me practice American Boy, like, 50 times. Okay, so seriously, Laura's thing is date the person that makes you cringe. She's married him. But she just won't let him make her cringe anymore. <laughs> okay, I have a story, and Ruby might cut it out, but Ruby's boyfriend, who we love to death, he plays the guitar. And one time, like, their flatmates told us that he was, like, cooking something in the kitchen. And then he there was a break, like, something was cooking, and he had some time. So he got his guitar, and he, like, <laughs> leant up against the wall, put one foot up, and was, like, strumming the guitar. And the flatmate walked out. And he was like, I don't even, I don't know why I was doing that. Like, it's giving Jason Mraz. No, it's giving, it's like, giving Ken in the Barbie movie. It's yes, all the Ken's It's in giving circle. Fedora. Oh. Like, um, oh, I don't know what it is. I'd, I'd love to know if this is a universal thing. I mean, obviously not. Musicians, you know, date a lot of people. But. <laughs> and most people, I reckon, would be all over it. Like, if your Maybe partner. Maybe I want to be the star of the relationship. Yeah. Maybe I No, we've talked about that actually. Because yeah, well you and Rupert and we were doing Enneagram numbers and you were both so extroverted that when you started dating it was like, Oh my god, well I want to be the one that hosts this dinner party and like blah 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 and Rupert was also really good at it and so I think you ended up loving it, obviously. I mean we're still (laughs) here. (laughs) 
Anyway, this is um, a tangent. This has nothing. This has nothing to do with the episode, which is all about being a teenage girl in your twenties. Which and joy. So you know what? And joy. We're actually talking about something that doesn't bring you joy right now, which is playing a guitar with which Stanley. Which is getting Twitchy the ick. Which Lucy, what describes your week? Let's get this thing back uh, on track. Well, um, being a teenage girl in my twenties describes my week. I have basically been. Well, actually, I've been doing this for like a year now, or maybe my whole life. Just like the only thing I want to listen to or rewatch or read is like shit that I loved as a kid. And as we're going to get to in the pod, this isn't like some random switch that happened to me that was like, oh my God, I need to go feel nostalgic about all this stuff. It was like literally everything that we watched and loved as a kid is being repackaged to us, or as a teenager, Mm. I should say. And, like, it's all kind of relevant again, and it's just fun. I don't know. I'm just, like, I don't want to be an adult for a second. Let me just be a teenager. So that describes my way. I cannot believe chicken soup for the teenage soul. No. When I saw that in your news. Oh. I know. No, it's, like, t- chicken soup for the teenage soul, hard stuff. And then there's, like, all the stuff about depression and I've underlined stuff. <laughs> it's, like. From when I was a kid, I'm like, oh, Lucy, like the writing was on the wall, babe. (laughs) No, speaking of getting the ick, reading through that, I was like, darling, like it wasn't that deep. But when you're a teenager, everything feels that deep. I, those chicken soup books bring back memories. (laughs) And they're not good memories. No, and guess what? They're poorly written and poorly edited. I actually love to reread. Yeah, well. I'm going to do that this week. Yeah. And, like, not poorly. That's kind of awful for me to say because they're, like, contributors writing about their stories. But it's, like, you know, right now we're used to reading really polished shit. Yeah. And I feel like those were just compilations of, I don't know, raw young people's stories. And then, like, I'm always, like, you wrote this when you were, like, 12. Now how do you feel that it's out in the world as I was just going to say that. It's anonymized, right? Or is it, like... I think some of them, no, some of them are. I think you can, but some of them right. are like, name is there, the byline is there. Luckily, chicken soup's kind of not that rello anymore, so no one's, dig- except for me, is going and digging. Except back for, up. Uh, and we're you. going deep in the archives. Stay tuned next week for a full <laughs> <free>. chicken soup <laughs> review. Um, that could be your shit you should cook about, and everyone thinks that it's chicken <gasps> soup, but it's actually, but you're vegetarian, so. Um, Leave it with me. Leave it Look, with me. Look, a workaround, corn soup or something. Anyway, what? <laughs> corn chowder. Oh, this Tell is so what derailed. Tell your week. <laughs> my week, very similar. It was kind of a return to my teenage self, or more my childhood self. My parents are over at the moment, and we went and did like a full This Is Your Life tour of my old school, my mm. what. Poor Rupert got dragged around this as well. Our old house, like my nana's old house, and basically did a weed tour of my yes. life, which was very strange because. So I grew up here, but I moved to New Zealand when I was a kid. And in New Zealand, I very much felt like from New Zealand, but also from England. And since we're coming back to the UK, I wondered how I would feel and if I'd feel mm. like Brit. Or I don't know. And it's it was interesting because the more and more time goes on, I'm like, I really am. A kiwi. Oh, okay. I was what I was gonna ask you, like, what do you feel now that you've actually been there for quite for a wee while? Like, do you feel 
closer to home yeah. or closer to New Zealand or what? I don't know. It'll be interesting going back to New Zealand and seeing how I feel. But I think definitely being here, I mean, I literally was telling you before, but I said hashing in the office this week and yeah. got absolutely ripped to shreds. Do you have any plans to come home? I think we're going to come home for Christmas for a visit. Oh. Cute. Well, I won't be here, but... <laughs> you won't even... Yeah. I won't fucking be here, so I don't care about it. Um, I got beer. plans to go to Lisbon pretty soon. Uh, yeah, well, so do I, but I'm fucking... Everyone's <laughs> sick of hearing me wank on about my visa. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Anyway, Laura, I'll move us along because Ruby's done us a very good and a very extensive should we care this week. Okay. First story, which I was going to talk about whether she wrote about it or not, but naturally she's one of the girlies and she wrote about it um, because she gets us. Have you heard about the blind side and the drama happening with Michael (gasps) Orr from the drive? Uh, from the blind side haven't read a lot but definitely saw bits so we know this famous movie with sandra bullock in it she is part of the tui family who i'm using quotes adopt this black football player well he wasn't a football player at the start but he turned out to be a really really talented and then successful uh nfl player there was this faint this big movie made about it and Everyone at the start was like, wow, what a beautiful movie. That's so good. And then time went on. It was like, wow, this is actually kind of white saviory. Like the people centered in this movie are the white family that have saved him. And that is not to say that it like isn't a beautiful thing that they did for him. It was just to say that the story we were all told sort of focused on the wrong people, maybe. The Hollywood version. Yeah, the Hollywood version. So it's just come out that he thought that he was legally adopted by this family and that's also what the movie sort of depicted etc etc but it turns out he was actually he's alleging he's filed a lawsuit and he's alleging that he was tricked into signing conservatorship papers um and told that he was adopted but he was actually being signed over into a conservatorship now we all know what a conservatorship is because we have heard about britney spears and Actually, quite a few of like other Disney stars or other child stars that um, mm. have come forward saying this was a similar thing with me. So the lawsuit then states that the Tuies used their power as conservators to negotiate a deal with 20th Century Fox that paid them and their biological children millions of dollars in royalties from the blind side, again, allegedly. Um, Michael claims that he only learned the details about this conservatorship on in February this year saying that, like, when he signed it, there was no consequential difference between being adopted and entering into a conservatorship, which, as we now know, is just not the case. But what I will say, and this is where I think a lot of people, they haven't gone this far into the reading or trying to find out more. They've seen Mm. the headlines about it and been like, holy fuck, 
um, that's really bad. And it is bad um, if it did happen. Obviously, this is all alleged right now. But uh, in response, mm. Leanne and Sean Tui, the parents that adopted him, have said, mm. it's upsetting to think we would make money off any of our children, but we're going to love Michael at 37 like we loved him at 16 and that they have no problem ending the conservatorship. They allege that to get Michael into university, he had to be part of the family, but because he was over 18, a conservatorship was the only option. Now, whether that's true, because I'm not a lawyer, obviously, but this is publicly, this is their statement, I'm like, okay, that's actually quite an important bit of information that he couldn't actually be adopted. He had to be this type of legal document. Like, and I feel like that's been missing in a lot of the discourse I've been seeing. So what are Uh, the next steps with it? Is there like a case? Is there... Well, I guess because it's a lawsuit, it goes to... I'm not sure if it's a public trial. I'm not sure. Some of these things we won't know Mm. about. Some of them will play out publicly, but... Oh, wow. I definitely care about that story. Me too, because you would feel like the wool has been pulled over your eyes, even if it was the only case. Why was it not described to you that like this is how we have to do it and this Mm. is to get you into uni and you would and and you know them saying that they didn't make that much money or they didn't really make money off of the fucking blindside movie don't really buy that because money would have changed hands somewhere um but anyway just i care about that story as well i'm like shook definitely next Next story. Okay, I wonder if you've these are these are from me, and I wonder the next two are from me, and I wonder if you've heard about them. Um, they're very TikToky. So first of all, have you heard about the Unwell Network? No, and this is why I love coming here. I, <laughs> I, I know this is why I'm like these are mix of like traditional celebrities, but then also I'm like I fucking want to <laughs> talk about all the shit I'm seeing on TikTok. So, do you know who Alex Cooper is? No. Alex Cooper hosts Call Her Daddy, which is like oh the, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes, the podcast of all podcasts for celebrities to go on to clear their name or air their dirt or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Cooper has just well, she had originally created like I don't know what they called it, like a media agency or something with her partner, and now as a subsidiary of this like umbrella company they've launched what they've called the unwell network which is like a talent agency and they've signed do you know who alex earl is yes yeah so they've signed alex earl and they've signed do you know who madeline argie is Mm -mm. this is a real who's who this is a real who's who she's like an it girl of uk tiktok she dates central c she's like she just oh yeah yeah she talks about lots of I don't know, funny stories that she's had. She does these car videos. Anyway, they're kind of like two it girls of Mm -hmm. TikTok of 2023. And Alex Cooper is like the daddy it girl. Like she's at the top. And anyway, she signed these two influencers. No one really knows what the Unwell Network is, but I'm guessing it's going to be like podcasts. It could go into reality TV. Like I don't really know. But anyway, I care about that because I love learning about this industry and I'm like, sorry, that's actually massive if Alex Cooper, Alex Earl and Madeline Argie are, even if you don't know who these people are, you will. Or Gen Z slash Gen Alpha definitely do. Well, that's um, the thing. And do you also think it kind of signals like a move to that kind of talent agency? Yes. And, like more yes, of these popping yes. up? Yep. I'm like, this is the important stuff moving forward. Like, honestly. Yeah. I don't reckon in a few years people aren't really going to care about 
obviously there'll be like the A-list movie stars, but I'm like, they don't seem very, uh, like, not attainable, but they don't seem very relatable. And I just think these yeah. these girlies are doing it. And I don't know. It just feels very self-made. I'm like, it's just cool. You've gotten on TikTok, you filmed your own shit, and now you're like making your dreams happen. So go you. I am very interested <laughs> to see what it means. <laughs> I know. So do you care or not? Is that one that I can care about on my own? No, I think I care. I think I care for what comes next. I know. I'm so interested in that. Okay, my next one. Addison Ray is dropping singles from what's called the lost album of hers. And I reckon, and I'm not alone, she's going to be like the next it pop girl. You heard about this? Well, I just want to say you seem to have your finger on the pulse with this because you also called Miley Cyrus and... (gasps) Oh, I know. I just saw you post about this and I was mind blown. It was the first I'd seen of it, but I remember you calling this. So I think when it comes to pop, you've got your finger on the pulse a little bit. I'm going to say it. Everyone, that's actually a really good point that I wasn't going to talk about because I forgot about it. I literally two days ago was like, Miley Cyrus, the next person that needs to like revisit all their old shit is Miley Cyrus. Like I want to hear, we got the party with the Jonas Brothers in 2023. I want to hear everybody makes mistakes, Hannah Montana, but Miley's version. And now, and I got sent this by a few people, like she is doing something that's revisiting her old shit. I don't really know what it is, but it's like. No one knows what it is, but there was the posters, right? Yeah, that were like revisiting her old songs. Old lyrics. Yeah. So I'm not going to lie. I do. I agree. I feel like I called that, but in a coincidental way, not in a way where I was like, get me Miley on the phone. She needs to do this. Anyway, <laughs> Addison Ray, she basically had these songs that like went cult viral on TikTok, but were never released. Like there's a song called To Die For that's like kind of turned into like a cult anthem. Mm-hmm. And apparently Charlie XCX is going to be on this when it releases, which means it's going to be fucking huge. Yeah. Because like pop, Charlie XCX, yeah. banger. Um, and she's kind of doing Easter eggs like Taylor Swift does. Like her website's just this like bubblegum thing and like song lyrics and whatever. And then she tweeted, dug up a few of the leaks from the Lost album. And she said that, Whatever it is, is going to be out on August the 18th. So tomorrow. One of my favorite things about living in New Zealand is that whenever anything drops, you get it first. Yes. Everything. Yes. You'd be watching and the rest of the world has to wait nine hours for the Adele album. But you're sitting there. Yes. Midnight listening away. Full day ahead of everyone. The other day I wrote about, I was like, well, I didn't write about it. I just put it in the news that are like, Olivia Rodrigo's new single, Bad Idea Right. It's out and it's good. Or let me know your thoughts. And everyone was like, it's not out, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, do you all forget that mama lives in New Zealand? She's out here living like, in the future, I, babies. <laughs> I do be in the future. Anyway, I really care about the Addison Ray thing because I feel like she was really reprimanded is the wrong word, word. But like she tried to enter pop a few years ago and yeah. everyone was like, fuck off, you're a TikToker, blah, blah, blah. So she put it to bed and now she's coming back and she's sort of created this cult-like scarcity thing. And seriously, I think other people are going to care. Do you or no? I definitely care. I care about anything pop. I was going to say, and music trends is like your bread and butter. Like, you got to be all over that shit. I got to be, I may not be over the Unwell Network, but uh, yes. <laughs> when it comes to pop <laughs> But a music, music trend or two. It's the high-low over here, everybody. <laughs> I have 
two more. One of these ones I saw just before getting on the mic, so I put this in, and another one's from Ruby. God, I know this is a long should we care, but this, this is, is just a lot of a lot of pop culture stuff. Um, Stevie Nicks wrote about watching Davy Jones in the Davy <gasps> Daisy Jones in the Six. Did uh, you see this? No, 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 no. But please. Okay. Well, everyone knows that Daisy Jones in the Six was based off. Everyone says loosely, but kind of closely off of Fleetwood Mac. And Stevie Nicks has just come out and said, or she tweeted, or X, or whatever we call it, just finished watching Daisy Jones and the Six for the second time. In the beginning, it wasn't really my story, but Riley seamlessly soon became my story. What? It brought back memories that made me feel like a ghost watching my own story. It was very emotional for me. I just wish Christine could have seen it. She would have loved it. Hopefully it will continue. And I'm like, goosebumps. That Can I just say that I feel like that never happens? Like, very, very rarely do you get the people that are, you know, these things are loosely based off or very much based off coming out and endorsing it. Very rarely. So the fact... They won't even endorse, like, people that have made documentaries on their lives because of the way that they're portrayed and things like that. And this is, like, for Taylor Jenkins Reid, that is the biggest kudos you could ever, ever get. I'm going to rewatch it. I, mm, I know. How good is that? And the fact that she was like, um, hopefully it will continue dot, dot, dot. I'm like, okay, is she an executive producer on season two or what's going on here? I hope she is. And, oh, I feel like every time we do a story about Stevie Nicks, it's wonderful. I know. I know. She recently came out again and said that, like, she loved Taylor Swift's You're On Your Own Kid. Like, she'd already said that she loved it so much that we talked about it on the podcast. She reiterated mm. that shit. She is for the girls, Stevie Nicks. She really is for the girls. Oh, that's a beautiful, definitely, definitely care about that. I, I knew you would care about that. I had to bring it to, I saw her, I was like, this has got to be on the pod. Okay, last one. This one's from Ruby. And she said, sorry, the story is so dumb. Like, literally no one cares. <laughs> and then she wrote, celebrities, real names. This is a random but silly one. And I feel like this kind of headline always has a moment every couple of years. But somehow it always feels kind of shocking. So I'm going to read you just some <laughs> celebrities. I'm putting this in here because it's such a peek behind the curtain I that I don't even see. It's like I just get the story. No, I'm obsessed with the commentary. I'm. That's why I was like, this has to make it in. Because, like, Ruby is so unintentionally funny. Like, sorry. Sorry the story is so dumb. Like, literally nobody cares. And she's making us read it on a fucking podcast that goes out to, like, a lot of people. Anyway, I'm going to give you a couple of... No, she is. Here are a couple I found most interesting of celebrity names that you may not know are their real names. Okay. Vin Diesel's real name. Mark Vincent. I didn't know that. Bruno Mars's real name. Peter Jean Hernandez. Did you know that? No. This is kind of... Jason Sudeikis. Daniel Sudeikis. What? What was the point? I know. What's adjacent to a Daniel? Lana Del Rey, Elizabeth Woolridge Grant. I did know that one. That's the only one I did know. Snoop Dogg, Calvin Broadus, Elton John, Regional Dwight. No. (laughs) Regional. (laughs) Regional Dwight. What? (laughs) I didn't know that. And then my favourite that Ruby didn't put in here, but just the fact that Hugh Grant's middle name is Mungo. (laughs) Like Hugh Mungo. I just, that always gets me. Anyway, uh, sorry, Ruby. I don't actually really care about that, but it was interesting. It was not interesting. This is giving, like, to talk about a fact. This is like. (laughs) Yeah! 
Roby giving us we've, some icebreakers. We've breakers. moved on from news and pop culture and we've just come to the fifty <laughs> first date segment. <laughs> we just got facts. Okay, oh. I guess, Laura, I guess if we have to, we'll talk about being a fucking teenage girl in your 20s because, oh. to quote myself, hell it was being a teenage girl, but right now... She is literally all I want to I be. just want to say that I saw Lucy write this article the first time and I thought it was brilliant. I then saw it pop up in another medium and I still <laughs> thought it was brilliant. <laughs> I don't want to say it. It's but... like when you watch your Instagram <laughs> your Instagram story as if it's not you. Like you, you would see it again. Oh, does that look good over on that? She's side? going viral, like... <laughs> people. She is absolutely going viral with this hot take. With this hot take. So funny because this is another thing that TikTok introduced me to, this idea of being a teenage girl in your 20s. And then I was looking around because I was like, damn, who can I link to because I need to put this in the newsletter um, because I want everyone to know this sort of idea. And no one had written like a good piece about it yet. And I was like, if I must, like, I will write, I will write the defining piece. (laughs) I think not. For my generation. But can you give, for people who haven't read the newsletter or are not quite sure what we're babbling on about, can you give a wee synopsis? Yeah. Right now, I'm 25, right? You're 27. Famously. Famously 27. And I will be the first to put my hand up and say, I am not acting like a 25-year-old out here. Like, I am watching the summer I turned pretty. I am listening to the Camp Rock and Lemonade sound, Lemonade Mouth soundtracks on repeat. I am Obviously, reading Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. I am making friendship bracelets, going to Barbie. You know, I'm doing all these things. We're all doing all these things that are like, could be seen as healing your inner child, but even better, they're just like reclaiming your teenage years. But I feel like without all that hard shit that you go through as a teenager, you're like, I have a little bit of disposable income. I sort of am a bit more therapized and now I just want to go and enjoy being a teenager, but I'm in my 20s. And it's just, it's like a feeling, you know, it's this collective joy. I think that this has connected with far more people than you realize. And I think you've done what you always do, which is tap into something that's going on. And the comments on this newsletter were so, so beautiful and lovely of just people being like, this is, I want to read one out because this one I really loved. I was so anxious in my teens. I didn't do a lot of teenage girl things. Now I'm 35 and I do not care. I feel like my 30s is the cooler version of my teenage years. I have my own money. I don't ask for permission to do things. I'm in therapy. I'm handling my anxiety and depression better, but I still get to love Taylor Swift, Grey's Anatomy, which came out when I'm in high school, wear oversized screen printed t-shirts that I have dozens of, multiple layers of tank tops because what millennial didn't back in the day and have sleepovers with my best girlfriends. And that's, I love it. That's it. That is, honestly, that is fucking comment is like a better (laughs) summary of what I wrote than what I just said. And I feel like there's so many layers and I know this is like romanticizing our teenage years and romanticizing capitalism and consumerism. I know that. We're talking about joy here. So just like let us have a bit of joy. Two things can exist at once. We can know. We're we're smart girlies out here. But I just, I feel like, the whole idea of like sort of what that comment said was we're old enough now to not be ashamed of the things that we were 
ashamed for liking in our teenage years and it's just as big there's no fear about being basic yes or mainstream or wearing color or wearing pink and I got a few teenagers I put this on Instagram I got a few teenagers saying like I read this now and it like it just reminds me to enjoy my teenage years while I have them and blah 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 and I was like how cool for you actually if you're a teenager right now to have like, no shame in just embracing all this shit. Like, obviously, they have other stuff they're going through that would be different to what we were. But I feel like being an individual is way more important to them than fitting in. And that's so cool. That is so cool. That. That, is, that is definitely it. And I think Ugh. as well, because I was going through, like, why this might be happening. And maybe it's a cyclical thing. Maybe this always happens and we're just of the age. But yeah. I remember a few weeks ago we were talking about this when you did that post about like they're romanticizing what we went through and it was exactly this it was love and pure heroin yeah. it was all these things that we yeah. grew up with that don't seem that long ago like when you wrote you were a teenager six years ago I was like oh my goodness yeah, <laughs> that's not long to already be romanticizing something that happened <laughs> less than a decade ago <laughs> but I do think and this is something we talked about last week there's a whole chunk of people who missed out on, because of COVID particularly, on a yes. lot of experiences. There's a whole bunch of school kids that missed out on going to their school balls or doing these things during COVID. There's a whole bunch of us that a large chunk of our like early mid-20s were in three years of lockdown, which like mm, makes yeah. absolute sense why you suddenly want to revisit something that felt really good and easy. Because people are saying that like, Nothing has made sense to them since March of 2020. Like, they find it really hard to move forward. Because I guess there's, like, you know how people, they get really sick and then they have health anxiety of getting sick again? I guess there's a sense of, like, well, that happened once and that could happen again. So let me just, like, live. But, like, also let me not live in the future. Let me just, like, live in the past where things were better. I feel like maybe there's a bit of that. That's not a theory that I've thought about before on this podcast but. well lucky for you lucy i've got several theories as to why this might be oh my god good go we need this one which was a new york times article that came out yesterday where they interviewed a bunch of gen z people on this like thing that basically no one's ever going to be able to own a house mm-hmm. and apparently the cost of your housing shouldn't exceed more than 30 percent of your monthly income which is crazy when i go to portugal it's going to be like it's going to be 50 percent. yeah yeah well, i don't more. know anyone who can find something when you're living in a major city like Mm -hmm. that. But this, I think, is the point that they're making. And I think a lot of people our age have been sold a future via the millennial icons of the Mm. time, which we talked about last week. I'm talking about sex in the city. Like, this is is a tired trope, but we know it well. It's like the messy millennial woman, right? Sex in the city, all these things of people that had the apartment in new york city and this is what we were kind of meant to live up to and like that that was our future came into our 20s that was very much not the case yeah and i think we need something new to cling on to and i think the messy millennial woman was the trope that worked for the generation above us and Mm -hmm. it's given us you know fleabag sally rooney sex in the city all these things but we are just like want to be a teenage girl yes and oh my god laura that is actually such a good point. Is is we were sort of 
Yeah, we were sold like Dan Humphrey from Gossip Girl being poor, but he lived in a huge Brooklyn apartment. Like iCarly, it was just her and her brother living together, but they had this huge loft and it was like we were sort of sold an incorrect view of what we were going to be growing into. Yeah, and now it's like, well, can't have that. Let's just like go back to what we've had once before, which is living with our parents or having to fucking spend a whole lot of money on rent. And then the rest of it, because we can't buy houses, on like jelly shoes and nail polish and jelly like shoes. cute things that make you happy. That is, I so think it's a really true. interesting thing to think about. And like when you even look at the like what we're consuming, like you said, it's a lot of the remakes of things that were really popular yes. when we were younger. There's a move away kind of from the mess- messy millennial woman thing and into more of like a. Um, I don't know. I don't know how far it made it over there, but there was a show here called One Woman Show, which was kind of a parody of Fleabag, which was oh. kind of doubling down on this idea. But this kind of, I don't know. Basically, just saying that we need different role models and role models yeah. that look different. And I think this could be a move towards that. I also think, and I don't know if you had this, but I definitely got told a lot that these were the best days of my life, probably between like 18 to 22. Like, I don't know how often I was told, enjoy this time, enjoy this time, enjoy this time to the point where it really stressed me out because I was having a very bad time (laughs) for personal reasons and constantly being told this is the best time you're ever going to have. This is like, get out, do everything you ever want to do. Almost I don't know. Now it's like when, like you said, when you're a little bit older, possibly you have more disposable income. It's like, hey, well, now I'm going to do that. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I think that is so true. Like we were told, your teenage years are the best years of your life. And that was sort of reiterated by Lord's pure heroine. But then when we got to our 20s, it really moved to like, you know, your 20s are going to be the best years of your life. And then that was like melodrama. And it was like, okay, like, yeah. And now, I and I love this about the internet and about the trends that I'm seeing and things. Now, it's like your 30s are the best years of your life and then your 40s and then your 50s like honestly I feel like as hard as things are with the world for young people the way that we reframe things to make ourselves feel better is like I am proud to be living through it it's reframe (laughs) one thing we're gonna do is we're gonna reframe and romanticize and I'm like (laughs) do you know what it's what we have to do to get through it really feels like it's what we have to do to get through because I feel like if we asked our parents when if we asked our mums when they stopped being teenage girls they would probably say at like 18 like well my mum she had fucking she was married at 23 she had kids at 25 or whatever I'm like you didn't really get to do this because of the times back then. And like, yeah, you guys could buy a house and you could afford to have a family of six or whatever. And so that probably felt good at the time for you. But now you could be looking at young people being like, oh my God, they get to do all this. Like, why are young people going to all these concerts and how can they afford to be doing that? And it's like such different. I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about like, when would our parents have stopped feeling like teenagers? And it's way earlier than us. That is really interesting. And it's I think also what you're tapping into is it's like a luxury to be able to feel like a teenager as well in a lot of ways. And like yep. Yes. There's yes. one um this really I found quite fascinating. And it was talking about the rise of nostalgia, which I think in essence is what we're talking about here. And yep. like yep. 
I feel like I've written about this a thousand times about how I love nostalgia. Whenever the seasons yeah. start to turn, I get very emotional. Um, but the New York Times last year reported that old technology is selling at an absolutely rapid rate. Things like Polaroids, Tamagotchis, nostalgia-driven movies, Yep, which we know, right? We've seen this in the rise. Yep. So why all the nostalgia now? So they've done some research where they ask people to describe under what circumstances they become nostalgic and the most frequent reported triggers were negative emotions, mood states, and in particular, feeling lonely, cue, lockdown, and isolation. Mm. The results were surprisingly straightforward. Those who read negative stories were subsequently more likely to engage in nostalgia than those who read neutral or more positive ones. In other words, nostalgia is a way of coping with distress by temporarily escaping the pain of the present. Preach. That's what everyone's doing. It's exactly what is going on right now. And as a result of engaging in kind of these recollections, though, people do actually experience a mood boost. It's shown that people feel more socially connected. They've got a greater sense that their lives are more meaningful. And I'll link this article because there's a lot more study in there. But I think it actually showed that in some ways it can improve well-being. I don't know to what extent you delve into living completely in the past, but I thought that was fascinating. I was literally about to say, obviously we're not out here saying quit your jobs, get in bed and re-watch Zoe 101 (laughs) and you'll feel good temporarily, but then you won't be able to keep paying for your Netflix subscription and shit like that. But I will say, like, if you can balance, there is nothing wrong with working your fucking corporate job and going home and having dinner and then wanting to put on, like, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Or for you, confessions, read Confessions of a Shopaholic. Like, <laughs> uh, like, we both have our confessions, right? Yeah, we get it. But I'm like, do you know what? Whatever it takes to get you through the day in this type of world, we're, we're not going to shit on you for it. But, yeah, I, I love that you've pointed out I don't know how much we should be only living in the past. Well, I think there's definitely, you know, there's a whole, and we've talked about this as well. It's like at the end of the day, capitalism's just throwing a lot of things at us. They probably want us to stay in bed rewatching, you know, episodes of whatever and not engaging with the real world. But I think, and we've talked about this a little bit before, like this idea of comfort things, be it comfort food, comfort people, comfort books, whatever it is, like is very real. And I think for like, is a genuine mood boost, especially yes. when you're feeling lonely. And the sense of connection that it brings you, not just with the thing you're engaging with, but the community around the thing you're engaging with, like exactly what you're talking about with kind of teenage girlhood, mm. is really interesting and a genuine connector for a lot of people. And sort of while we're talking about a little bit about capitalism and they probably want us to go and watch all these things they as who the fuck are we even talking about when we say they probably want us to go and sit in bed and watch this it is like genuinely they do and they've tapped into this because i'm just going to read you a few of the reboots and yes we're still going to do an episode on does everything need a reboot because it's just such a good topic but anyway, we've seen reboots in the past few years, especially during the pandemic when everyone was lonely and sort of needed something comforting, was like we have had iCarly, Zoe 101, Gossip Girl, Friends, reboots or reunions, I should say, Sex in the City, Gilmore Girls. Now we're getting all the Taylor Swift albums, like we're getting, and these aren't reboots, but it's like obviously Olivia Rodrigo is coming back hard with pure teenage nostalgia, like... Lord. The Twilight references yes. destroyed me. Yes. Um, a new Hunger Games or like a precursor to the Hunger Games. It's like no one wants anything new. We just want 
things an extension of things that have made us feel good in the past and honestly a Willy Wonka with Timothy Charlie yes yeah I did and honestly I'm gonna eat that up like how many times have they rebooted Willy Wonka I feel like I've seen the original (laughs) it's like Roald Dahl no longer has any like references to fucking Charlie or Willy Wonka it's like been taken seven fucking steps out of his hands which may not be the worst thing but like it's so it's just I don't know it's it's just kind of nefarious because it is like did I feel this way on my own or did they the people that we keep referring to as like capitalism and the people that organize all this shit did they want us to feel this way and so now we're like We've got all these reboots, so of course we're like, oh, well, I'll go back and watch the original. And, oh, when I was watching the original, I was wearing this. So, like, that seems kind of cool again. And I don't know. It's like, mm. did we feel this way on our own? Probably not because nothing happens in a vacuum. But I think it's also interesting to know who is going to be, in the same way that everything is cyclical, who is going to be engaging with the stuff for the very first time? And will it hit yeah. the same way for that, like, generation of people who this isn't a reboot but is the genuine first Yes. Well, like that tweet we keep talking about, imagine discovering pure heroin for the first time. That would change my fucking life. I'm jealous of the people that got to do that. No, this is actually how I felt about listening to the 1975's music for the first time when I was fucking 25. I was like, how has this all been here? And I've never listened to it. And now it's like a whole new world of music that I'm like, it's like my fucking favorite music and yeah i don't know will it land will all these well actually the reboots i don't think will introduce people will make people want to go back to the original shows because the reboots are like usually really bad oh but they draw you in i remember i hadn't watched gilmore girls ever hadn't been interested in it didn't understand it and then when the reboot was getting marketed I thought I was going through exams at the time and I was having trouble sleeping and basically needed something to watch every night when I was going to bed. And I started watching the series basically so I would have it finished in time by the time the reboot came out. Oh, they got me. And Gilmore Girls is such a good one, pure though. Comfort. Okay, that's pure comfort. Okay, that's a good point. My mind has been changed on that because actually. Even though I didn't like it, I also watched The Sex in the City or a little bit of The Sex in the City. Totally. I'm currently watching it, and we will review that very soon. So. Oh, honestly, for anyone listening, go listen also to Sentimental Garbage, their <gasps> recap of the Sex and the City reboot, because, oh, my goodness, it's brilliant. It's the best thing ever. I also just have, which I think is quite a nice way to tie this up, I went and found an old article from something that I'd written uh, several years ago where I interviewed three people on advice they'd give to their 20-something self. And there's some bits in here which I just thought, in light of doing this as well, it's just interesting because A, the thing that everyone always says is wear sunscreen, which I just don't know how many times I've been told that in my life, but anyone... Same, and I can't lie. I like don't most days. I do in the sun. I do if I'm going in the sun, everyone. And I know that I need to, but I just for some reason... Can't. Well, every every person under the sun 
Italian pun. Oh, kill me. But here's some bits of little cutie advice, which I just thought was very sweet. Travel. Lucy, this one's for you. Wherever you go, be where you are. Travel doesn't change you, but it does enrich you. You'll never regret any money spent on travel, even the hardest, most awful experiences. Something to remember in your visa Aww. applications. On health, everything yes. is connected. Your mental, physical, spiritual health. Do things that ground you. Be with nature as much as you can. It will connect you to your fucker papa. Beautiful. Preach that. Um, love every love is beautiful value every love and be careful with it your first love hurt you but you'll be better for it and from it you'll know how to be a good love fall in love as often as it happens don't hold back and i feel like that is romantic familial friendship all love yes yes and this is the last one on friendship which i loved friendships are what provide the best things in life the greatest places to live the most fun holidays my favorite jobs they deserve looking after make sure you feel comfortable being your unfiltered self in a friendship and don't forget that your relationship is also a friendship and needs the same kind of care and respect which i think goes both ways again i think a lot of the stuff i always got stressed out when people would tell me make the most of this time do these things here's the rules to live by they honestly just fill me with anxiety but Mm -hmm. i think it is good sometimes to take stock and remember yeah, and I think those, honestly, they were great. It sounds like you've, like, interviewed authors or something on those quotes because honestly, I'm like... they're all gorgeous people. That's so fucking good. Well, everyone, if you're feeling bad or guilty about going back and living in your teenage years because the future is really scary and it's hard, I hope this has made you feel a little bit better because we're all doing it together. And also... What's on your radar, Laura? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, beautiful tie-in. I was, a, I didn't have anything written down, but on my radar is I have waited my whole life to see my favorite band in the world, Haim, play live. <gasps> Haim, if you're listening, I love you. Um, of course you would be listening. I basically have somehow missed every single time they've played in the country that I've been in. I have just missed it. And I am seeing them in two weeks. And they announced that they're going to be essentially going through their very first album, Days Are Gone, which was the soundtrack to me and all of my teenage girls and our friendship. And two of my best friends are in London for it. We're all home girlies and we're going together and I am going to be feral. I cannot wait. That is perfect. That is all that's on my radar for the next 14 days. Oh my God. That is so perfect for this episode and for you to to get to... Relive your teenage self. Honestly. And they're playing the fucking, like, your teenage album. That's everything. It's everything in one. Haim, if you're listening, we want to interview you. Laura, especially. I don't know when and I don't know how. (laughs) I would pass out. (laughs) I know. That would go viral, so. (laughs) So I want that to happen, obviously. (laughs) You are cold. Lucy, what is on your radar? Um, on my radar is, and this is very British, and it's very reliving or healing your teenage self, but have you ever watched My Mad Fat Diary? No, but it is definitely something in my brain is going off. Oh my god, it's like, it's based on a British woman's actual diaries, and it's a TV show, and it's got, I think, three seasons, I'm on to season two, and it's just about this girl, she's in high school, and she had some mental health troubles and she's just like, everything's all fucked up. But she's just like living through high school and it's like funny and British and sad and heartwarming and very coming of age. But in a way that is not sanitized because it's literally based on real diaries. And it's 
so good. And the actress that plays lawyer Barbie in Barbie is the main actress from My Mad Fat Diary. And it's fucking good, bro. So, everyone, go and watch it. I posted this on the Close Friends story and everyone that had seen it was viscerally like, this changed my life. I think it's like old. I think it was like 2009 or something. But it's so good. So, mine's sort of on that same tangent. As it's well. giving Bridget Jones Diary reboot. Yes, yes, <laughs> it is. But it's like, um, again, you know, she's the messy millennial woman that we were told you don't want to be. She had a great job, a great flat. She had a great body, but she was told she was fucking fat, untalented, oh. like poor. She, oh. oh, anyway, anyway. A lot to unpack. I guess we should wrap it up there before we talk for four hours. But everyone... You can find Laura in the Geneva chat. She has a shit you should cook about place. It's really cute on there. I, I love, love it. it there. I never and, um, want to leave there. It's the cutest place in the world. It's so wholesome. It's like not overwhelming because everyone like isn't online at the same time. So you don't have to like, I don't be bombarded. It's really crazy. As I was talking about that in my ear, a little ding ding went off, which is the Geneva notification. So someone literally posted as we were talking about this. And I, I kind of freaked out. I don't know if you could tell, but my... I started speaking weird. I was like, it's a weird. Oh, if you want to find the piece on being a teenage girl in your 20s, then come and read the newsletter, but we'll put it in the show notes. And if you want to read Laura's piece about um, the advice that you give to your 20-year-old self, we'll also put that in the show notes. And we will remember this time because I see your messages saying that someone's pieces aren't linked. Someone forgets to link stuff and I don't know who it is. And it's but not it's Ruby. really lazy. <laughs> Either way, team, we love you and we'll see you next week. Bye.